I love that song, and it's uh, so different than the other Christmas songs. And it came from a poem by Longfellow, who had lost a loved one, and also looked around the world and saw some of the unrest, the injustice, some of the heartache and heartbreak along the way, and, and wrote that. And it's been put to music, so it's, uh, it's quite beautiful. And the message is very strong. We're doing this series, Christmas at the Movies, and, um, and once again, I've, I felt like the Christmas Chronicles is such a great movie for this moment when we're thinking about the longest night. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is that for me, uh, I lost my brother this year and others have lost, but I think it really addresses the loss in the midst of, of hope. And so the second scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, as I said, Christmas at the movies and the Christmas Chronicles. Well, if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, one of the newer Christmas movies and sort of the classic Christmas repertoire. And the story goes like this. There's starts out with this collage, this montage of all these different Christmas videos from the past. And you see people growing up and there's all this joy and excitement around the Christmas tree and opening presents and family activities and all the wonders of Christmas and all the joy of the Christmas season. And it comes to a screeching halt and you come to the present and there are this young man, a young teenager really, and his younger sister and a mother. And they're in front of the Christmas tree and the Christmas tree is not decorated at all. There's been a few half-hearted attempts to put some lights on, only makes it look worse. And the presents aren't around the tree and nothing else. And before, of course, it was spectacular. And um, the mother is saying, listen, we really need to, despite the occasion, to go ahead and decorate this Christmas tree. And we find out there that this is a, a mother who is a, a nurse. She works at night. And there's Teddy and Katie. Teddy's a young teenager, and Katie's a little bit younger girl. And they've lost their father this past year. He was a firefighter. He went into a fire to save someone, and he died in trying to rescue them. And so there they are in front of the Christmas tree. And the father was always the center of all the activities, always the one that's doing something for the kids and for his wife and everything, and really was the center of it, taking the movies. And this is just a moment of heartbreak. And I don't know about you, but have you had a moment around the tree like that? And maybe either you've lost someone or you're just in a moment of, um, of darkness, of whether it's grief or loneliness or depression or anxiety, whatever it is, it seems like it's a night without hope and all the rest of the world is celebrating and all your best memories just seem to weigh on you. And so it's a moment like that and your heart just tugs on that. And so the mom is on her way out the door to go to work because she's working the night shift as a nurse. It's Christmas Eve and uh, she has put Teddy and his younger sister, Katie in charge of decorating this tree and getting things right and ready for the joy of Christmas morning, despite the fact they're missing their dad. And so she heads out and 
brother and sister are there, and, and they're having a, a family feud, so to speak. You've seen it before. And, and Teddy is in a place in life where as a young teenager, he is um, he's angry at the world. He's mad for losing his father, of course, and hurt, uh, but he's sort of taking it out by acting out in a bad way. And the sister is now taking the movie camera, and she's, she's sort of following him around, filming some of the bad moments in his life. So, and he goes out, and he's trying to steal this car with his friends, and she catches it on video, right? And, and then he discovers it, and he's going to take the camera away and smash it, and then they're fighting about something, and she says she needs it, and he, has, he says, why? And she says, I want to see if I can catch Santa Claus on movies, on videos. And he says, there is no Santa Claus. <laughs> and of course, and he says, there's no Santa Claus, there's never been a Santa Claus, and, and they get in this argument, and she says, well, how about this? We'll, we'll have a bet, and we will try to capture Santa Claus, and they start to review all these old movies, and in one of them, they catch this little, like, twinkle, and she says, she thinks it's Santa Claus, so they do a little booby trap kind of a thing where it's going to, you know, a cookie with the bell deal that is a classic, and they're going to wait for Santa Claus, and so that's what they decide to do, and and in a moment, uh, in the middle of the night, they're half asleep, there's this jingle, and they try to catch it on a videotape, they can't really catch it too much, and then above, they hear on the roof, they hear like, it's like footsteps, and maybe antlers, reindeer, what have you, and so they climb up on the, on the roof, on the lower part, and they see Santa, he's doing these, this gift thing, and then at, in an elevated moment, there's a sleigh, kind of just hovering there, right? And so they decide what they have to do is to get into the sleigh and film it, right? So they have proof of Santa Claus. And they're all caught up in the wonder, and they slip and fall into the sleigh, can't get out. And Santa's in a hurry, and Santa, without looking, throws his giant bag of gifts into the back of the sleigh, jumps in, and takes off. Well, they don't know, you know, what to do, <laughs> so they don't say anything for a while. And the sleigh is flying over Chicago, <clears throat> of all places, and then all of a sudden they get up and say something to Santa Claus, and he is so spooked by that <laughs> that uh, that it, the sleigh goes out of control, and he's heading down to the streets of Chicago, and it's in sort of a spiral. Uh, the Santa bag of toys falls out of the back of the sleigh, and the, the sleigh crash lands into a park in Chicago, and Santa has lost his hat. And Santa is looking at them, going, like, what are you guys are doing here, uh, messing up Christmas? And they just said they wanted to film it. Of course, Santa is cool about it. But he says they've got to find the toys, right? The giant bag of toys with his locator and his hat, which is all the magic of Christmas in it. And so he needs their help now. And so they sort of break up. And uh, Katie is going to look after the bag and the toys. And uh, Teddy's going to help her. And then Santa is over doing some things. And in the, in the middle of all that, they were looking at different places trying to find the hat. And everywhere they go, Santa knows people because he knows them since they're kids. And they think he's a fake Santa, right? And so they're looking at him like he's crazy. And yet he knows the toys they had and all they wanted and what they want this year. And in one moment, they're in a bar <laughs> trying to, to find out someone who can help them locate the spot. And, uh, and he knows the bartender when he was a young kid and said he's on the naughty list. And they chase him out, and there's a guy, and he says that you've stolen a car, 
And so the valet won't give him any cars. And so Teddy, who hot-watered that car before, grabs the keys for this car, which ends up being a red Dodge Charger with a seven-horsepower engine in it, right? All tricked out. And so they steal it. And he says, you know, uh, really, it's not really a crime if you're stealing a car that's already stolen, right? So they head out. The police are chasing them. And uh, they go for a ways. They're doing pretty well. Then all of a sudden, they hit a snowbank. And the police catch him, and then, of course, they want to arrest Santa. Santa knows something about the police, and he lets Teddy escape, and Santa takes the rap and ends up in jail, right? And the thing is that time is expiring on Christmas to deliver all these gifts all over the world. Plus, Santa is losing his magic because he has to have his hat. So they've got to locate his hat, so Teddy's got to go find Katie, help find the, the hat, and bring magic back to Christmas. And so there is Santa in jail. And you think about the image for a moment, which I think is great, which is that joy is in jail. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? And I think there's three images that I want you to hold in your mind this evening, which is night, light, and gift. And so in this night, this night moment, joy is in jail. And I don't know, maybe you're experiencing a moment like that in this season when we think about the longest night, whether it's grieving the loss of a loved one, or depression, or just the future seems dark. And I want you to listen again to that first part of Isaiah. Both these verses are in chapter 9, verse, uh, chapter 9. The first one is in verse 2, and it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I want to let you know that when Isaiah wrote that, when he spoke those words, There was a lot of darkness in the land. In fact, the Babylonians were coming to destroy Israel, to take them captive, to kill many of the people. The people were going to experience tremendous darkness, and it was happening even then. And it's interesting because the book of Isaiah is really divided into two parts. Sometimes they call it two books. One is the book of woe. That's the first book. And the second is the book of consolation or the book of hope. And they're so different that some people claim it's a different Isaiah. I don't. I don't. I think it's a different moment in time. The moment of woe and a moment of hope. And into this darkest moment, the people are going to be conquered. Uh, Many were going to experience the loss of a loved one. They couldn't imagine that light would dawn again. The promise of God didn't seem real. And so Isaiah speaks this moment into the darkest of night and tells them about a ray of hope that was coming then and in the future. And so the night. And then there's, there's light. And the darkness considered a little bit because Teddy goes in search of his sister. She ended up looking into this bag. The bag was taken by a group of thugs uh, who were about tearing apart cars and selling them. And, and they don't realize that she's in there. They're going to uh, punish Teddy for trying to rescue her. They don't believe him and they're going to throw it into this fire. And so it all seems lost. And then in that moment, all these elves end up coming out of this, out of nowhere, out of the bag (laughs) to rescue the day. And uh, and these elves are sort of badass elves, really, you know. So they beat up these, uh, these thugs, and they rescue Teddy and Katie, but there's still Santa who's in prison. And so they're looking for the reindeer. They start to catch some of the reindeer, and, uh, and they end up finding the hat. And uh, as they 
find uh, Santa going towards the, the jail for, for Santa to, to try to rescue him. He's locked up. And Santa keeps telling these police officers who always obviously experience a lot of darkness in their life, police officers in Chicago, they're kind of hardened. And he keeps telling them that he really is the real Santa. Of course, they don't believe anything that he's saying. And he tells them about their, their young moments, the gifts, their favorite gifts, and their hopes, and their broken heart. And this one police officer in particular, he says, now listen, I know what you really want. And he says, what's that? He says, you need to call Lisa. And he goes, Lisa? Yeah. And it's apparently his, his ex. And uh, he says, you need to call Lisa. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. That's over. And uh, anyway, he goes on. And then Santa looks at all those people that are in the cell. Of course, it's an interesting group on Christmas Eve. And he says, you know, if we start losing the joy, then we're going to lose everything about Christmas. And so he goes over to this one guy and he says, remember when you used to play guitar? And the guy says, oh, yeah, that's a long time ago. And all of a sudden, Santa, bam, he's got a guitar. You know, he's got a Strat that he hands him. And, uh, and the guy starts playing. And the guy next to him, he goes, remember when you used to play bass? And he goes, yeah, that was a day. And then he, bam, Santa gives him a bass. And the guy next to him, he goes, he goes have you ever dreamed of playing a trumpet? And the guy said, yeah. And he goes, he gives him a trumpet. And the guy goes, I can't play trumpet. He goes, well, just go ahead and try. And the guy starts playing trumpet. And so these guys start playing. And, uh, and uh, there's uh, three women that are in the cell next to him. All of a sudden, Santa kind of snaps his fingers and uh, gets a piano, and he starts singing, which I didn't realize Kurt Russell could sing, but it's Santa's coming to town in this jazz blues version that's just the best ever. And all of a sudden, there's joy jamming in the jail, which is a ray of life, and it's like everything has changed. And as a matter of fact, the police officer gets a call from this Lisa, and uh, she wants to see him, and all the things start to bring light into the darkest night. And Santa says, you know, he's got to go and he's going to head out and try to deliver these gifts. But now he needs Teddy and Katie to help him out to deliver all these gifts. And so they start delivering all these gifts around the world. And it ends up being the greatest adventure ever for Teddy and Katie. They end up going to the North Pole. They meet Mrs. Claus, who's Goldie Hawn, which is a, a great moment, too. And, uh, and they have the greatest night, the most exciting night of their life. And it reminds me of the second part of chapter 9 in Isaiah. In this light moment, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And into this moment of darkness, Isaiah is speaking this hope before he gets on with the book of woe and then gets to the book of hope. But you know, those four titles of God are really beautiful, aren't they? For all of us. I mean, I don't know what you need this evening or wherever, but you think about wonderful counselor, the one who can, you can tell anything to and they have a word of wisdom or they just listen, right? Mighty God, the creator of all that is, that created the universe that has power and yet has restraint, has the plan and purpose and power to see us through. Everlasting Father, the one who creates us, provides the pathway, and finally, Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace and healing and hope into the darkest night, healing into our hurt, into our loneliness, brings the feeling that we are, that we are not alone, 
in the darkest night. And so as Isaiah was speaking these words, the people really needed that message of, of hope. They would need it in the years and even in the decades to come. And then, of course, we in the Christian faith embrace these as ultimately not just the people being freed from the captivity, but also Christ come. God is Emmanuel, God with us, to come into our darkest night to experience our hurt and heartbreak, our frailty, the loss that we experience, and to bring us peace and hope, knowing that God is here with us, and also that God is transforming even the darkest night into the greatest light. Night, light, and gift. Well, back to Teddy and Katie. You got to see this movie. It's so much fun. And Teddy and Katie, of course, uh, have this great adventure, and they're videotaping the whole thing along the way because they want to show their mom and all their friends. They got this. And so they come to the end of the night after all this adventure. I don't want to spoil it all for you. And Santa's got to leave them off. Of course, they haven't decorated the Christmas tree. They haven't got the presents around the tree, right? Mom is going to be home shortly from the hospital when we're working as a nurse. And so Santa drops them off and reminds them that they need to decorate the tree because mom needs some hope. Mom's struggling. She's hurting. She needs hope. And they need to get presents. And of course, Santa does some kind of a snap and, uh, and they get off and, uh, and they go into the house and start decorating a tree. And the tree is just ends up being magnificent. The mom comes in and she wants to know what's happened. Because all of a sudden, Teddy's got some hope in it. He doesn't seem to be the angry young man. And then Katie, who is hurting in her to herself, she seems to be joyful. They've put together this tree. Apparently Santa had the decorations there. And there's gifts underneath the tree. And so there's some for mom, really. Her gift was, you know, her kids that are happy. And Katie gets a special gift from Santa. Well, to push pause for a moment. When they were at the North Pole, Katie found this secret room with this staircase, and the staircase was one of those spiral runs in this giant library of Santa's library. And in that were all the sort of file cards of all the letters that had ever been written to Santa. So of course, she wanted to see what Teddy's letters said. Teddy didn't believe in Christmas, so she found the file with Teddy's letters. And there were all these letters, and then there was a gap, right? And then she found a letter from the present year that Teddy had actually written to Santa. And she started to read it, and she was in a hurry. She had to leave. And in this moment, she watches Teddy, and Teddy unwraps this ornament, and there's a note from Santa, and Santa says, I'm sorry, can't give you what you want. I hope this is the best that I can do, and you'll understand. And so Teddy unwraps it, and it's a Christmas tree bulb, you know, the gold silver kind, and he puts it on a tree. And we know what Teddy wanted in that letter. He wanted his father back, right? All of us know what that's like, I think, from whether it's a father or some loved one or whoever that is. But Santa can't do that. But as he looks into the ornament, he sees his face, and all of a sudden, he sees his father's face in the ornament, looking back at him, smiling with 
all these memories. And Santa says that whenever he looks into the ornament, he can see his father and the memories. And I think that's so, so beautiful with that gift of that moment. And you and I, as we wrestle with our grief, we would like our loved one back for sure. But there's something in our life that we can look at as a gift from God that we can look in there and see not only the reflection of ourselves, but the reflection of the one that we love and know that God will one day reunite us. And we have some ornaments up here as you light your candle later. I invite you to take an ornament. You can color it later or take it home and do that. Uh, maybe just write the name of the person you're missing or name whatever it is that's darkness in your life, brokenness in your life, loneliness in your life, whatever that is. And then maybe make some light things around it. Or you can print a copy of the photo and put it on there too if you're not an artist like me, uh, right? But there's some uh, creative ornaments in there. But I think the more important thing is that that we realize that the greatest gift is the gift that's given to us in Christ. For Christ is the true reflection of God and the true reflection of each and every one of us. God come to us as Emmanuel, God with us, not just a distant God who created all the worlds, but a God who can embrace us. That we can go to in prayer and know that God knows what it's like to be alone, what it's like to miss a loved one, to go through sickness and pain and even death. And in that moment also that God has taken the greatest tragedy and made it into the greatest triumph of all times. And if God can do that in Christ, making the cross not just a place of tragedy, but a place of triumph because Christ went there to pay the price for our sin and our brokenness and to bring healing and to give us the promise of eternal life and the power of the resurrection, then that greatest gift shows us God's love in a greater way than we can ever imagine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So in the midst of all of our, our night, our darkness, there is light because light shines brightest in the darkest night. In that movie, Teddy and Katie discover that even though they miss their dad, that they are family with their mother and they bring her joy and together they have a great Christmas. They still wish they had their dad, but they know that there's a future and they know that the love that unites that family is so, so important. And we, whatever we are experiencing loss and darkness, know that, that we have family. We have the family of faith as well as our family, and we are part of God's family. So there is the gift, and there is light in the darkest night. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your light in the darkness, for that's when Christmas comes. In the darkest night, the candle of hope and peace and love and joy, all made possible by the candle of Christ come to us. So Lord, help us to allow you to heal our hearts made heavy by brokenness and loss, by grief and pain, and to know also that our life and all the lives around us and throughout the world can look to you for light in the darkest night through the gift of Christ. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen.